Not all of life's traumatic experiences happen to us as external forces. Sometimes we can be shaken from within. Just as disruptive and disorienting as that which comes to us from outside of our control is the upsetting and unsettling impact of what we bring onto ourselves, that which originates from within. You don't need me to remind you that we are living in difficult times. The lingering effect of last year's events continue into 2021. A full year has lapsed since the first reported case of COVID-19 virus in the United States. Despite the presence and rollout of multiple vaccines, the threat of the virus is as bad as it has ever been, resulting in our continued mandate to stay at home and attempt to outdistance the economic fallout. We've witnessed the transfer of power from one presidential administration to another, yet not without strife, conflict, and the loss of life leading up to the inauguration. We anxiously wait to see if our nation can heal and move toward common ground despite the great political divide. Some are taking the moral imperative to address racism seriously and personally. But can we, as Americans, move past the systemic nature of our racial inequities, which have persisted for centuries? Will we be able to reverse the impact of climate change? Or will those of us who reside in California remain at risk for prolonged droughts and expanded fire seasons that threaten our homes, our sense of security, and our personal safety. As if these outside forces weren't enough trouble, we managed to add our own inner turmoil to the mix, making it difficult to cope and thrive. Today's scripture reading presents a person whose inner struggles is someone with whom we can readily identify. Her name is Martha. A task she does nearly every day with limited stress and strain suddenly becomes insurmountable. Preparation of a meal causes her great angst. Oh, I forgot to mention she has guests, a lot of them, and, she, and one in particular whom she wants to impress. But she's overwhelmed. Her sister Mary, who would ordinarily assist her with meal preparation, has joined Jesus' disciples and is listening to him teach in the other room. Martha is all alone. A task she routinely accomplishes is now one of monumental proportions. She realizes she cannot manage the situation, nor can she manage the negative emotional buildup inside her. So she brings it to Jesus. Let's listen to her story as Tim Stafford reads it for us from Luke's Gospel. Our scripture is from Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, in the Common English Bible. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. 
The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Hospitality is not easy. I believe it is part hard work, part skill, and part giftedness. There's the work of making the house ready and presentable. Things about the house you overlooked or thought nothing of, suddenly with guests coming, you decide needs rearranging, repairing, repainting, or even replacing. And if you're not careful, you can devote too much time to improving how the house looks and not allocate enough time for meal preparation. As you begin to take stock of the kitchen, you realize there may be an ingredient or two from the recipe you do not have on hand, which requires an unplanned trip to the grocery store. And then comes the most conflicted aspect of hospitality, the serving of the meal, hot. Cook the meal too far in advance and it may not be appetizing. But if you wait for your guests to arrive before you start cooking, then you do not have time to spend with them while they wait for dinner. This is where I can become bogged down in the details and the doing such that I lose sight of who it is I'm doing it for. Anyone who hosts guests for a meal and is able to serve it and interact with their, their guests with grace and charm has my admiration. Even for someone as capable as Martha, sometimes it can be stressful, overwhelming, and burdensome. With so many guests, so much expectation associated with the honor of hosting Jesus, and without adequate help, Martha loses it. No wonder she brings her dilemma to Jesus. But the problem she presents is not the problem Jesus addresses. Martha blames her inability to fulfill her task on her sister Mary. Once she describes to Jesus what she is up against, she is convinced that Jesus will take her side, chastise her sister for abandoning her, and direct Mary to assist her with meal preparation at once. Martha thinks her problem is due to external factors, specifically her sister shirking her responsibilities in the kitchen. Truth of the matter is, Martha's real problem lies within. She has envisioned what hosting Jesus would be like, but it's not turned out the way she wanted. And unable to manage the situation alone, she blames her frustration and failure on Mary. I have learned the hard way that our impulse and inclination to blame someone for our own feelings of hurt, frustration, or anger is a sign that we are in need of personal growth. Rather than take a hard look at ourselves and why we might be feeling the way we do and what might be its underlying cause, we often take the easier route of casting blame takes a lot of courage and inner strength to refrain from assessing blame and instead to look inward. Martha not only decided Mary was to blame for her feelings, but she diverted her own responsibility for them by building her case against Mary. 
we feel its intensity in her opening statement to Jesus when she says, Lord, don't you care? Jesus tells Martha that the problem isn't Mary and Mary's choice to devote time to listening to Jesus. The problem is Martha's choice of allowing worry, anxiety, and stress to distract her own and, and the distraction of her own expectations to have priority over her own inner well-being. It is Martha's mismanagement of herself that Jesus calls attention to. In this respect, the story is not a comparison of spiritual choices, Martha choosing to serve and Mary choosing to learn. Rather, it is all about Martha accepting and living with the consequences of her choice. It may appear that Jesus is commending the choice of Mary over Martha, but what he says is that Mary has chosen, that what Mary has chosen will not be taken from her. It is the consequence of each of the sisters' choices that Jesus emphasizes. What Mary wants is to be with Jesus and to feed on his word. What Martha wants is to provide the necessary hospitality and successfully meet the needs of her guests. When Martha can't get what she wants, she feels hurt, frustrated, and angry and lashes out with blame. Now, for those who think Martha gets a bad rap in this story, try to imagine her comeback to Jesus. If I choose the same as Mary, then who will prepare the meal for you and all of your friends? The food is not going to cook itself. Someone has to be responsible to fulfill the customs of hospitality. You say that one thing is necessary, but there are many things that need to be done on a daily basis. What kind of host would I be if I did not serve the needs of my guests? If I were to ignore them, would I not bring shame upon this house? As an outside observer and reader of Luke's gospel, we might say to Martha that Jesus is not another mouth to feed or a guest to welcome. He alone offers you words of life, which you dare not pass up. The essential thing is to spend time with Jesus and learn from him. There will always be time for food preparation and time for serving, but it's up to you to make time to nourish your soul. Distractions can have costly consequences. Back in the day when our family lived on the Monterey Peninsula, I had the parental responsibility to feed our children dinner one evening while Katie attended a class. I knew Mark and Carrie would enjoy fast food from Carl's Jr. rather than have me cook. And, but on the way, I remembered we might have coupons in the glove compartment. While driving, I reached over to open it and briefly took my eyes off the road. To my surprise, the car swerved onto the median, and before I could break in time, we crashed into a brick wall. Carrie was safe and snug in the back seat with her seatbelt fastened. Mark, on the other hand, was not wearing his seatbelt and went face forward into the windshield. 
an off-duty paramedic came to our aid and called for an ambulance. By the, by the time Katie learned of the accident, we were already in the emergency room where Mark was being treated for his cuts to his mouth and face. Nothing too serious, but there was blood on his shirt. And from the apparent look on Katie's face, Mark knew he had to say something. I don't remember all that he said, only his opening line. Mom, it's not dad's fault. The next day, we were at the dentist's office. Katie, Carrie, and I were in the waiting room while Mark was being treated. I had brought the paper along so I could look in the wanted pages for a used car. Carrie was occupied with her art supplies. Meanwhile, Katie and the office manager, where I thought were discussing the accident, but suddenly I realized they were talking about me. As I lowered the paper, I heard the office manager say to Katie, too bad you are not one of his parishioners. Maybe then he would pay more attention. Ouch. My distraction while driving was costly in more ways than one. Not only did it reveal I was an irresponsible driver, but that I was giving more priority to the church than to my own family. Choices have consequences. Sometimes they are hard to accept and learn from. While commending Mary's choice, Jesus doesn't condemn Martha for hers. He simply lets her know that she has to live with it and learn from it. In this way, I think Jesus addresses the Martha in all of us. Imagine Jesus saying to you or me what he said to Martha. In fact, I recommend you say his words aloud using your own name in place of Martha's and see if they ring true. Dale, Dale, you're worried and distracted by many things. Did you say I'm distracted? It's true, I am. I can barely keep track of one day from another. I come across something that needs my attention and something else pulls at me. I described to Session recently that I feel like I'm at the fair playing that game of whack-a-doodle where you just hit one bump after another. If I write something down, I can't remember where I left it. I'm afraid to throw old notes away because there may be something I need to follow up on, but I don't know when I'll get to it. I can't seem to prioritize what is important. Everything seems urgent and important. If I have a day off, I don't know how it is any different from a day of work. Tasks which I have done routinely in the past suddenly feel enormous. News from more than one source feels like too much news. I worry about my family. I worry about the church. I worry about the future. I worry about my ability to lead. I worry that the amount of change we have endured will only continue to increase and change. I worry that I will be able to keep up, that the pandemic has accelerated my aging process. Jesus speaks Martha's name twice, first to have her to have her look him 
in her in the eyes, and secondly, to convey his compassion and grace. It is understandable you are worried and distracted. It is merely human to do so, but it is no way to live. It will, be it will have a detrimental effect on your life if you continue to worry and be distracted. Instead, spend time with me. Concentrate your focus on me and learn from me, Jesus is telling her. Let me take your burden. Meanwhile, be good to yourself. Be as kind to yourself as you might be towards someone else. And during these difficult times, it's only natural for us to be distracted and to worry. Don't let it get you down. Have faith, be hopeful, and love like Jesus. Amen. Before Elaine Carlson leads us in our corporate prayer, I want to inform you that our brother in Christ, Paul Erickson, passed away this past Tuesday, January 19th. His wife, Dorothy, was in the same hospital and was also being treated for COVID-19. And she was able to be at Paul's bedside, which was a comfort to her and their family. Having been members of First Presbyterian Church for over 30 years, we as extended family share the grief of Paul's loss. So as we pray for Dorothy's recovery and God's care of the Erickson family, let us also pray for God's peace and compassion to be with our own community. Thank you.